Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. We continue our conversation in this hour about the UAW strike and uh, all the issues connected to that. Uh, just had a spirited conversation with John Womack Jr., Professor Emeritus at uh, Harvard, uh, about what happens when this strike expands later this week, as we expect that it will. Now a conversation about how we go about choosing between being green and being pro-union. How do we balance environmental consciousness with labor support? A dialogue right now with veteran automotive journalist Jamie Lincoln Kitman. I didn't make that up. Automotive journalist with the last name Lincoln. That is true. <laughs> Jamie Lincoln Kitman. Good to have you on Tavis Smiley. How are you today? I'm good, Tavis. Lincoln is my uh, premium brand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just, just for clarification. <laughs> I love it, Jamie. I love it. Uh, let me start with this. Uh, uh, Professor Womack and I just had, a, again, a spirited dialogue. Uh, about uh, Trump and Biden, and you've seen the news, you cover this stuff every day. Just want to get your take on this before I move into uh, the conundrum that we find ourselves in as consumers. Uh, there's great concern in uh, Biden camp and, frankly, beyond Biden camp uh, about whether or not he's already been scooped by Donald Trump on this issue. Trump announced, of course, he was headed to Detroit to give a major speech. Uh, so if Joe Biden does, in fact, show up on the picket line, as many believe that he should, given he's bragged repeatedly about being the best friend labor's had in the White House in decades, if he does it, he's already been scooped by Trump saying he was going there first, number one. Number two, Biden officials, as you know, are no longer traveling to Detroit this week to help resolve the strike. They're doing it from Washington. I'm just just hugely disappointed in the way the White House has just miscalculated and, and blundered this thing. That's my read. You cover it as a journalist. What's your read? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think at the outset, it's important to note that uh, UAW leadership has been very clear that Trump is not their guy. Sure. And, but, they, uh, they but, they, but, but they've not but they've not Biden. endorsed Biden, though. They've not endorsed Biden, though. No, they, ha- they have not. Okay. And I think that the, the White House, I mean, uh, you know, to put my cards on the table, you know, I think that the union's demands, uh, you know, in, in, in general are, are perfectly reasonable. And, you know, they're, in, like many industries, the auto industry really is due for a reset in, in uh, that thing. Um, you know, and it, it's really unfortunate that um, uh, I think that, that the Biden administration has allowed uh, what is a, you know, a basically like a phony baloney um, dichotomy to be set up mm-hmm. that uh, electric cars, uh are non-union are going to be built not by unions and that uh that that um if you are you know for union jobs and you're for you know building more gas cars and and relaxing the standards that the Biden administration passed that will force eventually car companies to sell uh primarily electric and hybrid cars um so that that's that's my beef with the union but beyond that I think that the Biden administration should absolutely be tying any sort of loan guarantees and other things that it gives to the industry to um, union jobs. And I think that there's an opportunity that's being lost by the American car makers. I mean, the argument you keep hearing is that the car makers, uh, the you know, the big, the so-called big three: General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, which is the former Fiat Chrysler. Mm-hmm are um you know the only companies really that have unions anymore with all the japanese and korean and german transplants that have built factories in the south um they they have a big advantage in labor costs um and you know 
Well, it's true that they have an advantage. I mean, one thing to note is that the advantage is often overstated. Um, I've uh, understood that labor costs are about 5% of, of a car. So if you're paying 66% of, uh, you know, um, of, of the wages that, and benefits that a union plant pays, you know, I mean, that's saving you, you know, maybe a couple of percent, mm-hmm. you know, in, in your cost. So I think that that's, that's kind of, you know, um, there's a lot of things that cost too much money. And, you know, I mean, there's no reason that people's yeah. standard of living should have been plummeting. Um, so so I, I, I think that the Biden administration could afford to t- take a, a stronger stand on that. But I also think that the car companies would do well to embrace the unions, really, and embrace the in, environmentalism and 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 you know um, the electric future in yeah. in ways that are different than they are. Whatever they say, they're actually dragging their feet on converting to electric, and they're trying to take advantage of the conversion to basically set up a situation where in this electric green future there'll be no unions at all, mm-hmm. and that's really unfortunate. I'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to this false choice, this false choice between balancing environmental consciousness and and labor support. We'll get to that false choice, that false dichotomy in a moment here. But let, let me go back to two things right quick. Um, do you think at the moment, though, just quickly, do you think that Biden is being outmaneuvered on this at the moment by Trump? No, uh, not really. I mean, okay. Trump is, um, I, I think that Trump is, you know, I mean, he's uh, unpredictable always, but he's he is, he's really not a friend of labor. But I do think that what, you know, unfortunately, you know, a large part of the, uh, you know, the UAW's membership are, you know, I mean, at best, they were Reagan Democrats. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just like Trump because he's, you know, for whatever reason, people who like Trump like Trump because he's he's irreverent and says, uh, you know, things that are, you know, not not that great uh, from my perspective about loads of things. Uh, the, the proof will be in the pudding. There's obviously there's a big job for um, the leadership and and the rank and file who are, are pro Biden, who are pro union to make that case to their uh, their what? co-workers. What, what what would happen if Joe Biden showed up on the picket line? What would happen? Well, I think he would uh, upset, you know, uh, the uh, you know the car companies themselves. He would upset some backers and uh, you know Wall Street and things like that. I mean, they, you know, they they really get uh, in a tizzy about things like this because they just see, you know, the the way it's been running for years. You know, there's been like. 50 years of backsliding on unionism, mm-hmm. it, you know, he uh, really goes further out of his way to ally himself. Tr- you know, Trump is in a unique position because he can just lie uh, about what he's going to do and what he thinks and change his mind the next day. I mean, he ran uh, with a populist campaign, and in many respects, it was appealing to, to union members. And, you know, uh, if if he actually meant what he said, you know, there were several things that uh, Trump said that distinguished himself not only from other Republicans but from from the you know mainstream Democrats, which were progressive. But he didn't mean any of them. None of them happened. In fact, the exact opposite happened. He was one of the most anti-union presidents that we've known in in modern times, yeah. and he appointed a super anti-union guy to be a Secretary of Labor. So uh, you know he, he you know. People who believe him this time, after he's done nothing but lie to the labor movement and to the 
unions and to the car companies, and he promised all the stuff of it at Lordstown, which GM famously uh, shut down, and then there was the electric car plant, and Trump promised you know tens of thousands of jobs, none mm. of which it's, ever materialized. It's the appeal. It's the appeal of this populist message, though, that I'm concerned about. Uh, I, we, you and I both know it's just rhetoric, uh, but even with rhetoric, this guy pulled 74 million votes last time, um, and so we, we, we can't poo-poo uh, the appeal of, of, of the rhetoric alone. Uh, I digress on that. When we come forward with the Jamie Lincoln Kitman, veteran automotive journalist, we'll talk about this false dichotomy, this false choice between being green and being uh, pro-labor, uh, but Jamie says something moments ago um, that I want to probe in a moment, and that is this notion that what the what the unions are demanding are, are reasonable. Their demands are reasonable. Well, if the demands are reasonable, and I'm not naive in asking this, if the demands really are that reasonable, that fair, uh, then why is the pushback so significant? Why, uh, to Jamie's point, uh, are the, the automakers not embracing the unions uh, at this particular juncture? We'll talk about that when we come forward on Tavis Smile. Seeking the truth. The truth. Speaking the truth. truth. This this is the Tavis Smiley Smiley Show. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. So, Jamie Lincoln Kitman, if the demands of the UAW, uh, demands of the union uh, uh, against these three uh, automobile uh, makers, if the demands are not that unreasonable, why the fierce pushback? Well, I think, you know, they, they're uh, by the standards of, you know, what the executives today have known, they're they're shockingly large, you know, a, a 40% pay rise, um, a four-day work week, things like that are things that, you know, they just haven't had to deal with in a long time. And, of course, they had so many givebacks in the 2008, you know, bankruptcy, 2009, um, that that you know they're they're used to uh, a much different environment but beyond that i think you know these all these ceos you know they look at other ceos and they see all these industries you know basically screwing their workers and um it's just embarrassing for them to you know be the ones down at the country club who folded and and gave up so mm. much to these people and you know the uh in in fairness to the ceos i mean they have shareholders to answer to and as the race to the bottom in the auto industry has progressed um they uh you know they're they're in a awkward position to um uh to you know if if they you know make big concessions you know, they'll, a good chance they'll be fired. You know, fortunately for them, they've been banking, you know, twenty, twenty-five, thirty million dollars a year, so they're not going to starve. But um, I think it's really it, 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 there's a point where, you know, why don't they all champion universal health care? They have a cost disadvantage uh, compared to all the European makers and the mm-hmm. Japanese makers, Korean makers, where they have national health care. Why? Why are they against it? It might, it costs them thousands of dollars a year to have to pay for health insurance for their workers, and it's not. It's that's not a rational business decision. Mm-hmm. It's more like, well, we're rock rib Republicans, and we have to show up and and you know play golf with these people who hate uh, the idea of of um, you know of national health care. So uh, I think I think that's that's can't be understated as as one of the the goals. You know, also they'll tell you that they have to make as much money as possible now so they can electrify um, their model lines. 
uh, to which one might say, well, if that's true, why do you keep giving yourself big raises? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's not just the auto industry, it's the entire society. Yeah. It, does, it does beg the question of why there isn't a larger movement. You know, I mean, I, I know the unions have been trying mm-hmm. it's very hard in the southern states, but I mean, one of the uh, really anomalous situations is that Tesla, which is the darling of, of the green movement, or had been until fairly recently, uh, is always been anti-union, uh, has been cited by the NLRB for anti-union activities, right. and um, they pay they pay less than everybody else while making the highest uh, profit as a as a percentage of their of their car's price of any of the car makers. Okay. So um, uh, there's a, there's a lot of um, consciousness raising that has to go on in the society among the workforces and in the government and in the corporate boardrooms. No, I give that speech to, to all my friends who drive Teslas. I'll just leave that where it is right now, but I'm finding myself giving that speech more and more to my Tesla driving friends. I digress. I remain in moments with Jamie Lincoln Kipman when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Can you dig it? Come on! Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. So Jamie Lee and Kipman got about uh, just three minutes left uh, in this conversation. Uh, in these three minutes, uh, what say you to those who feel like they're being forced, coerced, to choose between being green and being pro-union since most electric cars, as you suggested earlier, are made in non-union shops here or abroad, mostly in China, for that matter? Yeah, I mean... I think that's something that consumers really need to keep in mind. And, you know, it, it, it's certainly tough for one person to change that situation. But I think that the um, the Detroit Big Three, the so-called Big Three, mm-hmm. um, um, they, you know, that they have their – this situation, if it's as dire as, as they say – um, you know, either they're going to they're going to kill the unions, um, which uh, you know shouldn't happen, or they're going to figure out a way to deal with it. And I would suggest to them that, um, and I would suggest to cons- to consumers and people who who are you know uh, progressive investors and stuff that they lean on these companies to embrace it. In after nine eleven, when the economy was tanking, um, the car companies got very patriotic and were talking about you know. America and freedom and blah blah and buy, buy a Hummer and stuff like that. Mm. They it would be really okay for them to um, uh, to say, hey, we we build union cars with Americas. Elon Musk is selling you a non-union car from a non-union place, China, mm. uh, that's you know doesn't value uh, freedom, is anti-democrat, um, and um, and uh, you know I think they could make it a, a strong point that they should wrap themselves in the flag. And I think part of, of Amer- America is a strong union movement. The, the best yeah. uh, times that we've had have been when our union movement is strongest. But yeah, right. it, for the individual consumer, uh, you know, that's, that's something that people have to live with. The truth is, is that if you look at any 
big corporation too hard, you're going to you know decide that you maybe yeah. you don't want to do business with them. No, I get um, it. The thing, the thing about uh, Tesla that always cracks me up is that they've sold all these cars. The the story that you've just uh, laid out, notwithstanding uh, that they're non-union shops, that they're made in China, that they don't pay their workers as well. Uh, and yet, uh, Elon Musk has sold all these cars without a single dime of advertising. <laughs> these Teslas just keep selling. He doesn't advertise anywhere, but they keep selling. You so, know, all, yeah. yeah, all credit to them. I mean, they have a, they have a, they have a really good product. Yeah, they have they have enough money to be unionized. They should be unionized. That would go mm-hmm. a long way to do it. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing about Musk or the way he's done business so far. It suggests that that's imminent. You are right about that. We'll leave it there. Um, Jamie Lincoln Kitman is a veteran automotive journalist. Jamie, thanks for your insights. Good to have you on. All the best to you, sir. Always good to hear from you, Tavis. Thank good, you. Good to talk Bye. to you, my friend.